the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Talk about housing. Talk about real estate. Talk about investing, 401ks. Anything along those lines. Um, I want to get you to retirement. That is my goal. Money, investing, and more. I want to get you a big old fat nest egg that you can live off from age 60 to 100. Anyway, um... Some of the things that I talk about are obvious concepts, business headlines. Apple stock is run to XYZ based on product, based on management, based on expectations, based on ecosystem. Sometimes I talk about some of the more vague stuff like real estate, you know, how it doesn't beat the stock market. If you look at it over a 30 or 40 year period, the stock market thumps real estate, but yet most people think the house is the best investment they ever made, and really, the house is the best liability people ever made. Joining me now, Tony Mendez. Hey, Rob. BayAreaLoanSource.com. How are you, Tony? Good morning. So, let's talk about the liability factor on real estate. You're a mortgage lender. You do a show here on KDOW AM 1220. Um, how many people do you think, or when you help people get loans, do they realize they're signing up for a 30-year commitment or a 15-year commitment? Do they realize that it's a liability, or do they just like, I want to get that house, I want to get that Is the excitement of the moment, what trumps what? Well, you know, as a homeowner, it, and I look back at it, I wish I spent more time paying attention to what type of loan I got. Okay, um, that's fair. But I was really caught up in the house. Uh, um, it was really exciting because it was my first house. And then, you know, then you get your second one. There's not so much emotion in it. And then you buy a rental, and you're turning your other house into a rental, and then you're selling it. So you kind of get numb a little bit as far as, like, the whole buying a house. And then you get older, and then you start going, I really want that house. And I want to be in that neighborhood, and I want to spend the money. What's the cheapest way I can do it? What's the best way I can do it? So now, then you start looking at it as more of a as a liability, and what's the best and cheapest way to get it, and how do I do that? And so in the Bay Area, that's kind of the mentality I get. And we get some really, really smart buyers and um, and people who finance. They, they really know their stuff nowadays. Good, because I'm kind of like you. I, I feel like my 20s and 30s, the uh, purchasing of, of real estate 
I kind of walked into it like just whatever loan is going to be whatever's loan. That I was worried more about the location, location, location. I was about the you know the product financing such location. Um, I was telling someone recently that my first home that I bought in my twenties, I had an adjustable rate mortgage, and it was almost like fun because I watched it go from eight percent to seven and a half percent to seven and a quarter to seven to six and three quarters. Depending on what, when you get it in the cycle, you'll do that. Which was wonderful for me. I, I bought it at the perfect time of the cycle. I mean, I pro- my first home was probably the highest rates I've ever been in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, my investment lifetime, which is twenty to sixty, and it just marched lower. I mean, yeah. It was the perfect product. And for it, the, pretty much everybody that has an arm right now is is feeling the same thing. Their interest rates have been going down and stayed down for a long period of time. It'll be interesting when interest rates start moving higher, because that's not as fun, huh? It's not, and that's one of the reasons why we had such a big boom over yeah. the last couple of years with, with the super low, historically low interest rates, is because they're eventually going to go up. Even Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're predicting rates in over 5% by the um, mid-next year. So that's the direction. It can, it's the only direction it can go. Okay. Um, and you're thinking mid 2015, late 2015. You know, I, they, were, they were predicting by the end of this year it'd be at five percent. The middle of summer it'd be five percent. So you know, who knows? Um, it, you know, a lot of people are talking about how there might be a correction in the stock market, which could have you know a direct impact to Treasuries when the Fed stops um, uh, when they stop buying bonds on a, on a monthly basis. So we could see a, a rate stay low. I mean, you know, it's, there's so many things that could happen. We could see some bad jobs numbers. We could see European news. Of, uh, you know, the ECB right now is, is looking at keeping rates low. So anything could happen right now. Absolutely. So a couple other things I have a question for you on is when people show up and they want to get a loan with you, I said they probably don't think about product. It's something you enlightened me on. What are some of the other things like they – they, they don't understand the time frame. They don't understand the, like I was intimidated. I'm always intimidated how much paperwork goes into loans these days. Um, paperwork requests. So I think what you're saying is that it's intimidating to, to to jump into a process like that. And you know that's probably the hardest part of my job is to take that away from you know the borrower and, and say you know I'll do all the work for you. You just have to you know supply the information. What, but, what do you do? Do you try to get like, if there's a hundred things that need to be signed, do you try to do all hundred at once? Well, we do everything, or we do as many things as we can electronically. Okay. All right. Including, you know, most of the signatures. We, uh, we ultimately have to sign a package, but to, to get through the submission process, to get the loan started, we make it as painless as possible by doing everything as electronic as possible, like Dropbox, and then you have electronic signatures, and you can fax stuff. Um, so, you know, a lot of the clients that I, when I first contact the, these borrowers, they we, we don't meet on a regular basis, but near the end, we start meeting more often. Yeah. So, Tony Mendez, you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, for me, Tony, again, the intimidation part is, like, I recently did a small business administration loan, a little bit different than a mortgage, but it's still a process of what do you qualify for, what do you don't. I was stunned by how many times they would come back with just amazingly stupid things. Um, okay, your asset sheet, you know, everything you own, we want an updated version every month. Basically, until it discloses, we want it updated every single month. I was a little surprised by that. Like, okay, I thought quarterly would be good. Quarterly statements used to be enough. Now it's, uh, let's make sure you're not burning well, your assets. Well, in that, for that particular condition is what they call it, where they, they're going to keep asking for assets is, is the anti-money laundering rule where 
lenders are now required to look for red flags regarding money laundering. So they're going to want to see your assets, and they're going to want to see deposits. They're, want, they're going to want to see you know, cash flows and things like that. And the SBA loan, it could be a little bit different, but that's definitely one of the things that is affecting a lot of people in, the, in a residential transaction where people are just completely frustrated where they give you a bank statement, and then they go, oh, well, I want to see that check deposit. I want to see that that uh, why is there an ATM deposit and where's the cash coming from? Oh, we can't use that. You know, they get all weird about it. Um, and meanwhile, the, the borrower's coming up with $100,000 in cash for down payment, and, you know, they're questioning it. It's, it's kind of an insult, but it's not. It's really something that, that you know, went through Dodd-Frank and all this, you know, these money laundering rules and, and lenders being afraid about buybacks. So lenders are still scared about buybacks, although Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, is one of the things that we're seeing right now. And I think his name is Watt, the guy who's in charge of the FHFA, uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency, is basically saying, we're going to keep Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac around. We're going to try to make it easier for lenders so that it can make it easier for borrowers. So that's what we're hearing right now. It's interesting because after 9-11, um, my industry, the financial you know, management industry, it got a lot tougher based on you know, um, Freedom the Patriot Act. Tied towards, again, money laundering and trying to identify terrorists and having offshore accounts and things along those lines. Um, that event, 9-11, created so much paperwork for my industry. But do you know what 9-11 DASA did, which was kind of interesting? Um, because a couple of check processing plants were affected. They now do, you can take a picture of a check and, on your phone and deposit it. So that totally opened up. That still scares me. Really? Yeah, I'm not taking a picture of a check on my phone and then I lose my phone. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't get that. Okay. So I do all my, my banking transactions now. I'm the opposite of you. Even though I do transactions like that over the, you know, electronic signatures, of it, it's really weird for me to do it. You are my antithesis. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com. It's RobBlack.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Something about being a queen I like. And the lyric is the song. I always thought that women were goddesses. Goddess, queen, pretty close. Women have a magical power that men don't have. They can have a baby inside them. And I always thought that was the coolest thing as a kid. Like, whoa, that's almost magical, right? Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. One of the things that uh, I talk about, Tony, is wealth. And I think people make choices to be wealthy or not. One of the choices they make is where they live. If you live in the Bay Area, you may not get wealthy because it's a very expensive area to live in. 
Trenton, to own a house in. Basically, your life is very, very expensive in the Bay Area. Um, I try to get, like, college graduates to focus in on cities that have lower unemployment because lower unemployment means there's a better chance they'll have work. A better chance they have work means they work from age 20 to 60. Age 20 to 60 is your time to accumulate wealth. But it's also a time to, like, get a house. And, you know, it's interesting because we live in a, an interesting society now, Tony, where a lot of people end up getting married later. A lot of people end up getting divorced and getting married a second time. And, like, a second time getting married, it could, be, it could create a financial problem for you of, like, you get a 30-year mortgage, but you're 40 years old. And then you, you retire and you still have another 10, 15 years left on that mortgage. Uh, what do you see? What's your typical client that's coming to you? What's the typical client getting a mortgage these days? Well, in the Bay Area or the Bay, Bay Area, it's, um, you know, we, we talked earlier about how borrowers in general are more educated than they were back in 2000 to 2005 and six when, you know, there were many loan officers just pushing the wrong product. So, and, and a lot of people that shouldn't have bought a house bought a house. So we have smarter borrowers nowadays. Um, you know, there's still a lot of products for low down payment, so we are finding people that have good incomes but not a lot of down payment that are able to buy. But I'm, I'm generally seeing higher credit scores, um, even though the average credit score for a loan actually dropped from 742 down to 726, meaning that the lenders are opening up their guidelines a bit more. So more people are able to borrow, so I think that's going to you're going to start seeing that. It's just getting a little pricey here in the Bay Area. You know, with rates where they are right now, you know, I, I, we talked about how they're down about a half a point since their highs back in October um, or November, and that's about $50,000 in buying power. So, uh, you know, as rates stay low, it's a little bit more attractive, but it's also going to push prices up. So there's, you know, a little bit of reluctancy from borrowers, you know, going, I think it's a little expensive now. I want to keep renting. So rents are going up. So it's a little bit of confusion as well. So so we're just getting a weird mix of borrowers right now. It's, it's Cash is king. You know, there's there's a lot of overbidding and cash purchases that are, you know, frustrating a lot of the, the buyers right now. One of the areas that's considered good for new graduates is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, San Francisco is a great area for the freshly minted college graduate. Paychecks are about 20% higher than the rest of the United States, but also cost of living is pretty high. So do you see a lot of young people getting real estate, getting mortgages these days, or are you just going to the rental market? And- I actually have. You know, some of the borrowers that I've worked with in the San Jose area and uh, part oh, of the peninsula, how old? you know, in their mid-30s, you know, they don't have a kid or they have a very young child. And um, or they've, you know, they're, they're looking a little farther out, maybe in Pleasanton or San Ramon, and you know, they're they're, they're making a couple sacrifices to buy a house, and I think that's smart. You know, of course, the last couple of years, pretty much buying any kind of real estate was smart. Um, one of the mistakes that I thought I made was that I didn't buy enough real estate, and a lot of people were just trying to struggle to get just into one, and they, I think they did a good job, um, especially with the low interest rates. But now it's tough. You know, the prices are up, interest rates are going to eventually go up. Um, borrowing costs are, you know, they're nominal at the moment, but they could go up if privatization you know, kind of rears its head again. Um, but credit scores are, are going up and down payments are going up. So, you know, it's just a tough market, Rob. I, I think that buying real estate is a mental decision that you have to make. Just like you said, you know, if somebody has to make a decision to get wealthy, they have to make a decision that they're going to buy a house and commit to that. Uh, I just – I 
just fear that people are sacrificing their retirement just to buy a house because the guidelines will allow you to do it. Absolutely. And that's what scares me is that the guidelines aren't aren't set up for someone to buy a house and do retirement at the same time. Okay. So that's good information. Um, I'm interested. I'm kind of intrigued that 30-somethings are buying houses. And, again, not a lot of 20-somethings, huh? Not a lot. When you and I were younger, it was 20-somethings buying houses, right? Yep. So first time, like, condos or townhouses, I seem to remember. And, and you know, that's that's a, a, one of the parts about the Bay Area is, that, you know, p- people are realizing that rents are going up. So they oh, we might as well buy our place instead of renting. So we're going to buy a lot of condos. So condo prices have gone up. And those are the entry homes for the for those 20-year-olds, the young 30-year-olds. And they're overpriced now. That's Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, Tony, these days, um, getting a 30-year mortgage, 30-year fixed, 15-year fixed, how much time is it? Start to finish, would you say, is the typical loan process? This is, say, 30 days. 30 days? Yeah. Okay. It can be less. depends on paperwork. It depends off its purchase. Um, a lot of uh, – do you have contingencies on the sale of a property? Uh, there, there's a lot of things that can go into it. If you go to a bank, it's going to be a little bit longer. If you go to a broker, it's going to be shorter. The street that I live on and the city that I live on, it's had two homes for sale and one home for lease. Why would someone choose to lease a house, in your opinion? Um, down payment, credit score, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that location schools. Okay. Um, there's some uh, of that for sure. There's definitely some of that. And I know firsthand that there are people that will stay on one side of a town as opposed to another side of the town. Yeah. Just and, and pay more in rent and to live in a bigger house or whatever, to have the kids to, you know, because that's the environment they want to keep their family in. So people will make those kind of sacrifices. Um, and if they, you know, we, we go back to, can they, can they, keep saving money for retirement. Maybe that's what they have to do to keep their kids in the right place, have the right house, the right neighborhood, and save for retirement. A friend of mine has uh, two kids, and her and her husband rent in the city that I live in. And out of nowhere, her landlord's like, you know what, I'm selling my house. Out you go. So she, and her whole premise was, this is a great house for my kids. You know, it's easier to rent than it is to buy. But her concept was, I'm going to live here for 18 years until my kids are done with school. Gone. So now she has to find another house, and it's not that easy finding rentals. It's not that easy to find a house to buy. It's not that easy to find a rental. Very, very tight market at this point in time, and desirable areas are highly desirable. It seems like uh, more and more people are moving into them. So you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KBOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Correcting your credit score getting a little bit easier. 
kind of an interesting one. You know, I'm kind of passive-aggressive when it comes to credit scores. I'm happy to look at mine. I'm thrilled to look at mine and watch it improve and learn about little things like length of credit line, how it helps or doesn't help. But fixing errors, and there seems to be a lot of errors, but mine had some errors for sure, but not the errors that you'd think. Like, you'd think errors are like, oh, good gosh, um, maybe you didn't work at a place or maybe you you know, your name's spelled wrong. No, the error on mine was someone actually ran my credit a couple times at a car dealership to test drive a car, but I've never been to that car dealership. So someone either punched a number wrong and or, I don't know, maybe that someone was trying to steal a car. So fixing credit errors getting a little bit easier. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, major credit reporting companies like Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion have changed their complaint systems to let people fix their errors a little bit easier. Um, any thoughts on this, Mr. Mendez? Um, yeah, fixing credit is, is – it used to be a big task. Um, there, it wasn't pretty clear on how to do it and who to go to. Uh, now you have Equifax, TransUnion, Experian. They have great websites. Um, even some of these uh, bureaus offer free credit um, monitoring and, and things like that. And you go to places like Credit Karma. I mean, th- I, I think being proactive with, with your credit is the most important thing you can do. Get a copy every year and just double check it if you're not monitoring it with one of those, you know, handheld apps or something like that. But eight million people a year challenge their credit reports. Yep. That's a pretty big number. And now when you provide documents to the agencies, the credit bureaus have to forward the material to the creditor, letting you state your full case. Earlier, it was kind of a brick wall system. Now you have a little bit more clout. And, again, what I found is that it's as if they don't care. So if you give any sort of document saying, I did not, I did pay this mortgage on time, and the mortgage company's like, okay, you did. They're not going to challenge it because they don't have the time, the money, the resources to. That's what I'm hearing is that these the, the, that department, that complaint department, yeah. they're, just, they're going to just say we we can't dispute this. We're you know, and they have 30 days in the bureau to remove it. So it's a challenge, and that's why a lot of people are challenging it more often. If you do have a mistake or anything on it, challenge it for sure. Yeah. Now we talked about a, a web app like Credit Karma. Um, it doesn't actually pull your credit report, which is important because. A lot of people don't realize, and I was recently on a plane, and uh, you know, the, the airline's like, hey, fill out a credit card report, or fill out a credit card, and you know, we'll give you 25,000 free miles. Uh, but you have to do it by the end of the flight, otherwise it's not good when you land. And uh, I saw a lot of people filling out credit card. Like, and again, that's, the airline industry is now making more money from credit cards than they are from baggage fees. Um, but the baggage fees are important, too, because like, if you get a credit card, you can now get your bag to f- fly free for you on some of these things. But it seems like a lot for you just, to me, I, I don't know if I want my credit pulled on an airplane. Like, that just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, there's a difference between a hard credit pull and a soft credit pull. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a hard credit pull and it can affect your credit. Sure. A uh, soft credit pull would be something where a credit card company is on a monthly basis checking to make sure that your credit score is good or when they're renewing your credit card. Um, when I run somebody's credit, it's a hard credit pull because I need to get all the information on it um, and not just your credit score or any other uh, kind of easy data. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would trust a credit card uh, from a plane. but I'm just surprised at how many people want, yeah. you know, perks like that. Uh, you, you know, what, you, what credit card do you use? or what perks? I use United. 
<laughs> Which is but fun. you don't even fly that much. No. So how but many my miles? wife does. Okay. So. Does she fly free usually? Yeah. Because y'all don't. We we, pay, uh, we use credit card pretty much for everything and then pay it off. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So. And we just build miles and miles and miles. And now we're going to switch over to cash back ones. Okay. Pretty soon. So there's some great websites where you can go look at the, the max cash back banks and, and credit card companies. Bankrate.com. For yeah. Instance. Yeah, they do that. Bankrate's a really good place to shop for credit cards. You know, something about credit. But you know what? This is interesting. Um, Southwest recently reduced their perks by about 15%. So you think you get a dollar for a dollar kind of thing? You don't. Um, That's what they don't tell you is you can start, you can build a bunch of miles, and they can switch that. Yeah. And any of the cashbacks or anything that, that you credit credits you get, and they can switch the kind of denomination that you're getting. Because they're using like this faux currency inside of your currency. Yeah. So it's not a dollar. It's a point. So they can change what points to get you and don't get you. And they do it all all the time. A friend of mine's pretty pissed at Southwest for recently changing their term. So she went out and booked as many flights as she could because it was the time to do it before the, the terms changed. Um, Hawaiian's got a good good deal. But, again, it's it's only if you fly. Yeah, only if you fly. Yeah. yeah. It's like getting a, a timeshare. Why get it if you didn't use it? Yeah. There you go. It's Tony Mendez. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Dot com. So, United, huh? That's so interesting, because I hate United. I don't fly enough to have any kind of opinion on it. Oh, I just, for some reason, I, I just hate their customer service. I'm thinking about the Hawaiian one, though, because I think that's the next place I'm going to go. A friend of mine was um, pregnant, and she had to fly back to the East Coast. And she had, like, morning, morning sickness. So she was like, hey, can I take a later flight? And they're like, sure. So when she took a later flight, they canceled her return trip. So not only did she have to change for a later flight, but she had to book a whole new return trip. And all, she was still, like, it was kind of one of those things, like, she was going to fly out on Thursday and come back on Sunday. So she changed her Thursday flight from, like, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then they canceled her return trip. And then they made her buy a full-price ticket on the return trip at the last second, not telling her that, like, I just hate airlines. I just hate the way they work, the way they, the, it's almost um, just out to screw you kind of feeling. And again, it definitely feels a lot more expensive than it did, you know, ten years ago. And again, still probably a pretty good deal, you know, for me yeah. to drive across the country versus flying across the country. Um, you get the idea. So anyway, um, do take a look at your credit report. One of the things I do advise is there's um, two good websites that are absolutely free. Two good apps that are absolutely free. One of them is Credit Karma, and one of them is Mint.com. Mint.com will link all of your financial institutions together, and it'll warn you, like. Um, if someone opens a new line of credit, I, I think that's great. So it's just another little thing. So I don't really like the companies that um, monitor your credit. I don't think people need them. So you can tell the credit bureaus that you don't want to open any new lines of credit or to call your phone number if any new lines of credit are opened. Um, you can put restrictions on your own credit. Like, that's what those companies do. Right. But they charge you a monthly. They do pretty much everything that you could do on your own. Absolutely. They just know everything that to do that you don't. So. That's fair. And, again, I, I remember meeting one of your colleagues in the world who um, fixed his credit scores. Mm-hmm. I had him on the air the other day. Did you? Mm-hmm. What was his name? Kevin Cust. That's right. So how's he doing? He's doing well. The company's doing well. Continental Credit was is there. Yeah. So our company, you know, th- there's different ways you can fix your credit, and, and he kind of fits into that. What you can do, but he's going to do it for you. It's a service that, you know, it's it's pretty cheap, but they'll, they'll challenge credit. They won't challenge credit, but they'll they'll process the whole transaction and they'll advise you on, on things that to, to do that they can't do, um, but they're cheap. 
Then you got a, another another level where they'll do everything for you. They'll challenge, but you're spending thousands of dollars there. So it all depends on what type of transaction. If you're buying a car, maybe I'm not going to spend a couple thousand dollars to get my credit fixed. But if you're buying a house, you know the difference between you know 640 score and 740 score can be about one percent. On on a four hundred thousand dollar loan, that could be uh, two hundred and twenty bucks a, a, a month or you know three grand a year. So you could make a lot of sense to spend that kind of money to fix your credit. So there's a lot of reasons why people would want to fix their credit, but I think at least get a copy of your credit report every year. Um, and don't be ignorant about what to do with your credit. So, One of the big stories we've heard in media in the last few years is the disparity of home prices and how they just crazy are, are different. Median home price in Syracuse, New York is $94,000. Median home price in San Francisco, 815000 It's the cities that have the high cost of living that seem to be rebounding faster than the low-cost ones. In San Francisco, the most expensive metro market in the nation with a median home price of 815000 only 13.3% of homes can be purchased comfortably by households earning the median income of $100,000. That was down from 28.9% in 2013. So... That kind of number is shrinking of people who could afford it comfortably. Do you see that in your world, Tony, or are the people who come into you pretty comfortably off as far as income goes? Or are you seeing, I guess I'm saying, are you seeing the distress there? Are you seeing the peril? Are you seeing the people being priced out or not so much? I, I'm, we're definitely seeing it in the industry that people are getting priced out. Um, more often, that it's, it's a bidding war. And they get outbid. You know, there was a point in between 2011 and 2013 where um, home prices were going up faster than people could save down payments. So we were fortunate, though, that the rates were low. You know, if you were to look at rates today and rates compared to 2007 where prices were about the same, um, you know, you're spending a lot less on a payment. So I think the affordability is kind of still there. And that's why we have, uh, you know, multiple offers on multi-million dollar houses still in San Francisco and around the Bay Area. So the affordability for some are still there, but you know what we're seeing is a very small amount of inventory in the, the uh, affordable price range. And that actually dropped considerably while uh, what they call the 1% price range, high price range, went up 21% while sales went down and below. Median price in the United States of a home, $195,000. Wow. In the Bay Area? $815,000. That's just, it's something to look at and go, oh my. I'm Rob Black. It's Tony Mendez. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaAirlineSource.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, quick question for you. How often do you see like just crazy scenarios where people are like, okay, okay, I need to get a mortgage loan. It's like they start like almost with, in hushed undertones where maybe they don't want their wife to know, or maybe they're trying to, like, 
uh, get this incredible deal with you. How often do people come to you with just a really odd angle that's non-conventional? Um, quite often, and okay. more, more often than, than we did back in 2008, 9, 10, 11, when, when it was really, really difficult to get a loan. Uh, but lenders are opening up their guidelines. I've, I've been trying to talk about this for the last year or so, um, and, and those crazy people that you're talking about, there's, it's more often that you're going to get a, a loan than not nowadays. There's some, they are going to get a loan. It all depends on what the rate's going to be. That's where it, it becomes really tough for them to swallow. That's something I don't think most people understand, and it drives me insane because you do a lot of work. When someone contacts you, you spend hours working for them, and you help them get the information. You call the data, and then you're like, okay, this is probably the ballpark rate that you're looking at. And then they just instantly hang up on you and start shopping around. That is definitely one of the things that happens in the industry quite often, and you know we we really try to break build a relationship with the borrowers and and completely understand the scenario. That's where most of the work goes into is completely understanding that. Uh, and and there are some borrowers that still come in and they go, you know, I'm, I want to do this. What's your rate? And then you find out that the guy has, you know, it's a condo that's unwarrantable or non-warrantable, and that means you're oh you're going to end up at this kind of lender. You might end up with this kind of loan. So, yeah, the farther you get away from the, the single-family residence, high credit score, 20% down or, or equity, the higher your rate's going to be, the, the closer, the higher chance you're going to get up with a portfolio lender. I'm not saying you're going to go to private money, but what's, what's happening, though, is money's cheap right now. So if you are in a situation like that, this is probably the best time to either refinance or shore up some of your other rental properties. Uh, I mean, we have lenders that go up to 10 and 10 mortgage properties on your credit. Yeah. When, in, you know, for years that was only four. So there's quite a few things that are opening up for people like that. I recently went and got a small business administration loan. And what's worthy to note about this is I, I have a business property that I own, and I was trying to refinance the business property because it had a five-year one-arm that kind of ended. Um, and it's not too disastrous, but they kind of want you to go through the whole mortgage submission again and appraisal again. And this is a business property that there's not a lot of comps on, so the more, the appraisal was very, very expensive. Um, but two banks both promised me like a 10% discount, and both banks failed. And one of them was like, okay, so we're going to go into our meeting to see who gets funded and who doesn't get funded. We need you to sign this release. I'm like, why am I sending a release? So basically he can't sue us. And I'm like, no, you promised me a 10% discount. And they're like, well, we're not going into the meeting. I'm like, so I have to, right? I have to. So I sign the release. Then they come into the meeting. They come out of the meeting, and they're like, yeah, that 10% discount no longer applies. So basically, they, they told me, do this, do this, do this, and we'll give you a 10% discount. And then when push came to shove, they're like, no, not so much. I hate bait and switch. It drives me insane. Yeah, there's still a little bit of bait and switch going on right now. I think relationships are all about baiting and switching in your 20s and 30s. Like You're like on your Tinder profile or your Match.com profile. I'm a normal guy. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm totally into marriage and children. <laughs> then a lot of women are like, "Oh, that's disappointing." <laughs> so, I don't know. No, you have to be, you have to educate yourself. I mean, that's the what this what the real real estate crisis really created is a an environment where people just need to educate themselves. And um, you know, the, the Fed's doing their best to overregulate right now, especially lenders and brokers and 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 realtors, but you still have to understand the process and what do you and do what goes if, on to do it. What do you do if a lender baits and switches you? Promises you that you're going to get this incredibly low rate, and then next thing you know, you're at signing and like there's more it, fees, there's higher costs, the rate's not the same. We would we would have uh, some sort of recourse or some sort of path in which we would take to uh, honor what the client was originally 
uh, promised. But, but you know, we that's the relationship. So we have relationships with lenders much like you would have a relationship with us. Isn't there something called like faith, good faith estimate? Is it really worth anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's honored for a period of time, and it's up to me or any loan officer to move the process along as far as fast as possible so we can get the commitment and lock it in. Now, a good faith estimate is only good for a certain period of time. On a purchase, what it does is it gives you an idea what to expect. On a refinance, it's a little bit different because you really want to move forward and lock in the rate as, uh, as soon as possible. Um, again, locking rates only to protect you from going down, not to, I'm sorry, from going up, not to float down, although there are some lenders that will let you float down, gotcha. but their rates are already higher to begin with. But So it, it all depends on your flavor and, and what you're doing. That's fascinating. You can find Tony Mendez if you need a loan at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can listen to his show Thursday night, Thursday nights here on AM 1220 KDOW. You can hear him from 6 to 7. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, 30-year fixed um, kind of has rallied lower recently. Which it has. I did, again, how many times can I say this? I didn't expect it. I didn't Not a lot of people did. Uh, especially as the as the Fed stops, you know, ten billion a month in bond purchasing, it, it's just crazy. Yeah, the ten year Treasury is kind of tied towards thirty year fixed mortgages, right. and the ten year Treasury, like it looked like it was going to be challenged at three percent, and then the summertime it, it rallies lower, like yep. four point four, uh, yeah, three two point four percent. Pretty stunning. Pretty good it? buying opportunity. When I say buying opportunity, uh, meaning. Just capture that rate as as soon as you can. You know, if it's buying a house or refinancing. Refinancing, you know, which is funny, is we had a big run yeah. over the last couple of weeks where applications were going up, and then rates went even lower, and then applications went backwards. Okay. So we're getting less applications. I think maybe there's just nobody refinancing anymore. It's I, I, tough. I feel weird because I, I know I represent the Bay Area, and I'm speaking for the whole nation. It seems like anyone that would refi has refied. Otherwise... They're living in a cave. Like maybe in Afghanistan, living in a cave. It's also one of the reasons why maybe we're not seeing a lot of sales in the lower end homes. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Today, particularly, going to be talking real estate. I've got two experts with me. We've got Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can listen to his show Thursday nights here on AM 1220 KDOW. And I also got Charlie Crackler. It's been a long time since I have a Crackler on the air. How are you, Charlie? It's been a long time. How are you? I'm well. Thank Good. you. Thank you for asking. I think everyone knows Tony Mendez and, and mortgage lending and things along those lines. But who is Charlie Crackler and why do we care? Who is Charlie Crackler? We, we, we probably don't care. Uh, my company uh, does continuing education programs for Real estate brokers and, and salespersons, practitioners uh, that offer a continuing education credit approved by the Bureau of Real Estate, formerly the Department of Real Estate, and so that they can renew their licenses and stay in the business. So basically, you're in the industry of helping realtors and mortgage people? Uh, so anyone who has a, a real estate license issued to them by the California Bureau of Real Estate, I want them in my seminar. Okay. And ultimately, continuing education is part of the game to keep your license. It's a necessary evil, and um, and and I live off of it. I I love when somebody calls me and says I'm desperate. My license expires in uh, two weeks, and I'm I've done nothing. 
Um, love that call. Get them right into a seminar and get them uh, renewed. Okay. Now, what type of information is in these seminars? What, what's continuing education look like? You know what's interesting? Um, there are some mandated topics by the uh, Bureau of Real Estate that, that uh, have to be taught. Most of it, I would say a, a very high percentage of it, really only relates to residential practitioners. Someone is doing one to four units residential, a, a lease for more than a year, a, a, a mobile home. Um, you know, in, in areas, the topics are uh, real estate agency, which is simple, not logical, and a lot of people have um, uh, go by a lot of myths. It's, it's not real understood. I think there in the industry, there's the uh, uh, course on ethics, of course. National Association of Realtors has a code of ethics and trust fund handling, which I think is a little ridiculous because most people don't have a trust fund bank account, but you do handle trust fund money, which is the client's money. Fair housing, which I think is important. Uh, risk management, uh, consumer protection, and then they uh, have a uh, area of consumer service for making up any electives. So uh, those, those are basically the, the, uh, the, the topics, and unfortunately for commercial brokers, they don't really relate to their industry, but they have to take it too. How do you explain your website to people? How to find it? Because, like, for instance, mine is robblack.com. And I go, it's like the color. It's two Bs, it's like the color, robblack.com. You know, you had a sore spot with me, Rob. I, this, for, for years, uh, my uh, website address was charliecrackerpresents.com because uh, some guy I did a uh, radio show with uh, for eight years uh, pirated the name charliecrackler.com and wouldn't give it to me. I finally got it. You know what I decided? If you're going to hire an attorney for anything having to do with cyber law, you've got to make sure that attorney is under the age of 24. Okay. So if you can get a 17-year-old attorney, uh, they're the ones who understand the cyber law the best. I finally got it from him, and uh, so now my website address is charliecrackler.com. There's others out there. There's charliecrackler.net, charliecrackler.org, charliecrackler.edu. I don't know what college that is, and I don't own any of them. Uh, we do have a new website coming coming on next month, um, and uh, I blinked, and somebody took CharlieCrackerPresents.com, and so someone else that 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 wouldn't be so bad, other than the fact that it's a porn uh, it's a porn site. Yeah. Well, you know my name, Rob Black. One of the biggest porn producers in LA is Rob Black. Oh. And um, until 1996, he had the website and had just filthy dildos and just crazy stuff on it, just crazy stuff. <laughs> And then 60 Minutes did a spot on him where he did child porn, and he went to jail. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, Rob Black, the radio guy, is the guy, porn guy. Right, right. You know, Google doesn't really differentiate. Broadcasting live from San Quentin, it's Rob Black. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and he's out there still. And every now and then, a porn actress or a porn wannabe uh-huh. will, will drop me an email. Was, oh, gee, okay. And, of course, <laughs> of course, at that point in time, I'm, like, sending pictures. Uh-huh. Right. But... I digress. So, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think WhiteHouse.com is a porn site, too. So we're all in good company. Me and Barack have the same problem. Okay. I'm with you. Now, I've known you for a long time, and we've seen the Bay Area go through, I'm not going to say cycles. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen the Bay Area do some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, Mid-1990s, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a sleeper mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because the dot-coms are doing so well. Right. And the dot-com money, like I, I knew someone who basically use stock options to buy a beach house in Santa Cruz, and then she lost her job. Right. And she couldn't afford a beach house in Santa Cruz. Right. But um, so we've seen kind of a boom. We've seen kind of a bust. We've seen kind of a revival. Well, you know, because I, I do my uh, programs all over Northern California, and uh, just about any market I talk to, you know, with the exception of some areas of the Central Valley, 
the biggest complaint that uh, residential practitioners will um, will will say is that uh, there's very little inventory. Yeah, uh, it's a great time to be a seller uh, because uh, most practitioners are looking for more listings and they're just not out there. Um, real smart sellers uh, list their property and they list it slightly under the market value and it gets a tidal wave of, of uh, attention. And those are the uh, transactions that happen that where, where it becomes a bidding war and, and you get more way over the listed price and you get more for your house or your property than you ever thought you'd get. So it's a great time to sell. Except for, I'm sure some people are like, maybe I should hold it one more year. And they've got a little bit of a seller's remorse of mm-hmm. they're seeing it go up 5%, 10%, 5 10%. I sold a house three years ago. I knew it would go up in value, but it was time to sell it, move, and I just did. And, and actually, I was kind of glad it was going up in value because, I, uh, you know what they say, it's it, the real estate business, the brokerage business is very high liability. Uh, people get sued in transactions, and uh, you're a lot less likely to get sued by the buyer. I mean, the most common basis for a lawsuit is a buyer suing a seller for non-disclosure material facts. But if the house goes up in value, they're not going to care. Uh, you, you know what what may or may not have been disclosed to them. If it goes down in value, and uh, you disclosed everything in the world to them, they're still going to be pissed off at you and want to uh, <clears throat> you know want to cause some kind of legal action because it's got to be somebody's fault because the house went down in value. So uh, I'd rather sell a house and then let it go up in value. It's interesting that you bring that up because I went and sold a house that had a, a paint issue. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it couldn't hold um, a, a wall of paint. Mm-hmm. Like it continually cracked. It continually fell, mm-hmm. fell off the wall. I didn't disclose that, but the person who sold it to me didn't disclose it. Right. I don't know if the walls were wet. I don't know if it was just humidity. It, it was just I was constantly repairing and patching these walls and right. throwing up new paint. <clears throat> not worth getting sued, that's for sure. No, it's not. And, you know, it's not worth getting sued, and it's not worth suing someone. I mean, I, both the plaintiff and the defendant have to come out, you know, yes, you would probably know, thousands and thousands of dollars just to, even you know, legal fees, just to get somebody into a deposition. And I tell my students, just <clears throat> avoid the lawsuit uh, as much as you can. Yeah. So... What are you seeing right now as far as students go? Um, five, 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. a lot of people leaving IBM to become yeah. realtors. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it's funny you say that. Most of the community colleges in California that are the ones who offer courses in real estate. A lot sure. of four-year colleges don't. But the community colleges have been. In fact, I taught at Foothill College for 20 years. And um, <clears throat> you know, we always had full, uh, you know, full classes. Most of them, including Foothill and, and uh, some of the others, have um, uh, you know let their real estate department go away because they don't have the students. Really? Yeah. So it's not as desirable as it was. It's not as desirable as it was, and but it, you know when Mark picks up, I'm sure they'll re you know re up the the courses. You can find Charlie at charliecrackler.com. It's K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R. CharlieCrackler.com. If you can't figure that out, drop an email Rob at robblack.com. Come on, we'll be talking more real estate on Rob Black and your money. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me today, Charlie Crackler with Charlie Crackler Presents, uh, continuing education for realtors, for anyone in the real estate industry, really. It's one of those requirements that you have to have to have a license in the state of California. You can find Crackler at K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R, or you can always find me an email, Tony Mendez with Bay Area Loan Source here as well. Interesting, during the break, um, I think sometimes the, uh, the commercial time is the best time. We should just keep the... Keep the mic open, right? Keep the mic open, right? Um, We're talking about the bad guys of real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, And we won't name names unless you really, really want to. (laughs) There's a lot lot of people who have almost no education, Mm -hmm. and they're just in the business of transactions. Mm -hmm. And they may think they have an education, and they may think they're helping people, but they really rip off a lot of people and hurt a lot of people. What do we need to know about this, Charlie? Well, who's, who who coined that uh, that phrase? Um, there's a sucker born every minute. Wasn't that like P.T. Barnum or sure. something like that? Um, and I really <clears throat> apologize to anybody who has gone into some of these uh, syndications. You know, a lot of them are uh, are, are literally uh, Ponzi schemes. I've seen that uh, since the '80s. Uh, you know, they, they take this wave of investors that, that bring money in. And then they take another wave of investors, and they and they pay the return on the first wave, and the second people are in. And then if they get a third wave, then the second people get paid. And it's uh, basically uh, nothing more than a, a pyramid scheme that a lot of these guys do. And the, the the people that are the last in are the ones who get lost holding the bag. So I don't know. I I, I have a real hard time with partnerships and giving my money to a uh, general partner or do a uh, tenant in common or something like that, rather just take my money and buy my own place and be 100% owner of, of the real estate that you buy. You have more, much more control that way. I totally 100% agree. There was a radio show on uh, a couple years ago that was trying to get people to invest in Vegas. Oh, geez. And through Trump, and not through Donald Trump, through Ivanka Trump. Oh, God. <laughs> And um, it was one of those master limited partnerships where uh-huh. you're a limited partner and you don't know. You give money to people. You have no control. You have no control. Yeah. And ultimately, the deal went bust. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the people you gave money to partied. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they vacationed. I'm sure that they're retiring off the suckers that were like, well, there's a Trump name tied towards it. Right. I should do it. Yeah. yeah. And if they're, if they're buying commercial time, even though they don't realize it's commercial time, if they're buying radio time, and it sounds like they're legit. You have mm-hmm. to be very, very cautious. I do not like the limited partner. Yeah, I could go on TV like you, and uh, you know if I was going to cough up enough money to do my own infomercial, I see that on your uh, channel four. Sometimes they have a it's, it's an advertisement, but uh, the the interviewer looks is just somebody familiar yep. on the TV, and it almost looks like it's uh, an interview on the news. Right, and I look at it, and then they start touting what they say. Well, no problem with that. Everybody can advertise their business, but uh, sometimes the perception is not reality. Well, even on this station. You know, most of the shows have, uh, all the shows but mine, have something that said the following is paid for and presented by, mm-hmm. and it's a commercial. Right. Um, people need to be very, very careful. On TV, they do a pretty good job of visually showing that it's a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Kron, like, I'm not proud of the fact that we have a doctor who hypnotizes people, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets two minutes on the news set. And our news set's worth millions and millions of dollars of brand. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very, very, the only thing that makes him Incredible is the fact that the only, thing, the only reason he's on air is because he pays. Right. So it, it, I don't think he's illegal, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I really believe in hypnotism. You know, you know a lot of times, uh, what, going back to the, um, the syndications and the Ponzi schemes, a lot of what these uh, general partners do, uh, you really can't, cannot say is 
illegal. I mean, what they're doing is is legitimate, but they have to disclose everything. I just think that it's uh, rather unethical not leading somebody, uh, you know, into thinking or knowing what they're really putting their money into. My industry has a little bit uh, a fault here, but not much because it is regulated by the SEC and the NASD and you know, there are public disclosures that are made, and ultimately, if you lie or cheat, you get thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. But, like, the REIT industry, the Real Estate Investment Trust, mm-hmm. yeah. love public REITs. Publicly traded, they, they get scrutinized, they have to turn in documents, uh, they get processed by auditors. Private REITs, not so much. Right. And I see a lot of fraud in private REITs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. private REIT, basically, um, I could say, hey, give me a million dollars and I'll build some buildings. Uh, and and your REIT is an acronym for real estate investment trust. Yep. Um, you know, it's uh, I I have money in REITs and I I feel fairly comfortable with them and the people that publicly traded. I feel wildly comfortable. Yeah. I think it's the best way for an individual to own investment property mm-hmm. because if you own a hundred shares of say a mall REIT, mm-hmm. you own a hundred shares. Right. And if it goes up in value, which real estate should over time, mm-hmm. or you get uh, you know 90% of the profits paid to you in, in a dividend, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. But that's the best way for the average investor right. to own real estate. Um, but yet, you and I both know that there's a lot of you know 30-somethings, young couples who <laughs> they see the midgets on TV talking about <laughs> midgets. Yeah, now it's time to buy the real twin estate. Midgets. Twin yeah. midgets. Uh, what, how do you feel about that young couple approaching real estate? What would you warn them on, or what would you Tell them go for it. You know, I mean, obviously it would depend on who they're giving their money to. Um, yeah, I don't know what the little twin midgets are going to do. Um, I do know what some of the, some of these guys will do, and they're not going to keep track of your money or send you a statement or have any communication with you, but they'll take your money and you'll never hear from them again. And they go into areas, other areas of the country that are, you know, are just, you know, either they're in the desert and there's no water or that's so overbuilt it's ridiculous. I mean, here in the Bay Area, I worked for a company back in the 80s uh, called Marcus and Millichap. And I can tell you, the, the uh, CEO of the company, George Marcus, is is a genius. I mean, there is nothing that guy can't touch that doesn't turn to gold. And he's told me, um, I know him, and he's told me, he says, I only build and uh, and, and buy and anything just in the Bay Area. He doesn't even, won't even go outside the Bay Area because that's where the really good deals, and that's where the properties are going to appreciate the most. What do you think about people buying out of state? Like um, there's commercials on the station for buying in Dallas. You know, I do know people that are buying a lot of condos in Dallas and Houston and Austin. And you know what I don't like about uh, Texas is it's so damn hot. I'm not a hot weather kind of guy. Um, I bought some investment property that I'd love to live in someday up in um, central uh, Oregon, right. Bend. Um I don't think I'm going to see a lot of appreciation, uh, but I love the fact that it's out there in the country and I you know, see the animals and it's 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 great, but it's not necessarily economically feasible to own that property. Stay in the Bay Area. I mostly agree. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I own some investment properties, one in North Carolina rental, uh, one in Oregon, uh, uh, an office property where mm. I pay myself rent, Okay, which is a nice way to go about it. Mm-hmm. So. I know the landlord. <laughs> I know the tenant. Right. So, same kind of person. Um, Bay Area. Um, where would you buy in the Bay Area? That you're comf- how far out would you buy in the Bay Area where you're still comfortable? Well, you see, for, if you ask Bay Area, first and foremost, I know you ask, you know, where I wouldn't, but probably the peninsula. You go too far uh, west, there's water. You go too far east, there's the Bay. Uh, 
it, it's there's a limited supply of land, and it's a highly desirable place to be. And I think you're always going to see appreciation on the peninsula, the Bay Area. Let's talk about this and more when we come back. Tony, say hi real quick. Hello. He's here. You can find him at Bay. Watching Charlie. BayAreaLoadSource.com or Charlie Crackler, K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking real estate today. I'm joined by two very good minds on the topic, Charlie Cracker, K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R. Charlie Cracker and Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, Charlie, we're, you made a statement that I want to tackle. Before we went to break, you said buy on the peninsula. Yeah. I mostly agree because, to me, jobs are on the peninsula. Jobs are on the peninsula. Land is limited. Yep. Uh, it's, it's limited, but it's not so limited. Right. But it's it's a desirable place to be. Okay. You know, I mean, that, that, that's important. Uh, if you go uh, other areas of the area, um, you're going you're to see some, um, some good appreciation. The East Bay um, is not a bad place to be. Um, there are certain areas of the Central Valley that would be uh, uh, pretty dangerous <laughs> to put your money in, to say the least. Um, cities going bankrupt out there. It's, it's just not, uh, you know, at, at a point where um, you're going to see a lot of appreciation. Something that scares me with your statement is that always goes up. Mm-hmm. I bought a house five years ago, 1,660 square feet. Mm-hmm. Not very big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, million dollars. Good. Neighbor bought a year and a half ago, sixteen hundred square feet, one point four million. Mm-hmm. He makes four hundred thousand plus dollars a year. Um, I don't see that many people making that. I don't see who's going to buy in the future. I see people mm-hmm. who are going to hold on to real estate. And like for instance, I could rent my place forever and ever and ever at the mortgage rate I got. Right. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know how many lawyers, how many jobs out there have that kind of cash. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm selling to an all-cash buyer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's just not that many young couples that make that kind of money. You know, I I agree, I, but I, I thought that for a long time. Now, I, I belong to a uh, country club. Don't think I'm, I'm snooty my nose in the air. But um, I bought a membership to the Los Altos Country Club back in 1997. Uh, I have the It gives me the right to pay them dues so I can uh, eat at their restaurant. I've been there before. It's nice. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and there's tennis courts, and golf to me is just too frustrating. So, But, you know, I get uh, I, I, I go to there, you know, on a, one of the nights where they serve you like a buffet dinner and everybody's there and I'm talking to guys at the bar. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's actually you know, kind of fun to have. It's like a party, very social. And I feel so inadequate when I drive home. I feel like such a loser because every guy I talk to is, is, is like your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, if they're make, if they're making four hundred thousand dollars a year, they are average. Um, some of these guys are bright, brilliant Silicon Valley guys. There are people, a lot of people with a lot of money. Uh, I find them at the country club. Like I said, I feel like a loser when I leave because I'm not in those circles. Right. Um, but I, I do think that you know when you look at areas like Los Altos, 
I mean, it's a bizarre market. People will pay just about anything. And the downtown Los Altos is everything has been scraped and raised, and they are building nothing but condos down there now. I don't even recognize the place. And they'll sell for over a million bucks. That's insanity. Now, you and I can both say it's insanity. It continues to happen. And I'm not going to say, you know, I, I, I don't know where I go with this. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's, um, on the peninsula, you're not talking about average people. Mm-hmm. No. So from San Mateo to San Jose, you're talking about people who have either stock options or their attorneys. Mm-hmm. I call them genius millionaires. I mean, a lot of them are high tech, um, you know, in, in that area. And uh, my dentist bought in Los Altos. Really? And you know what he is? He's a, a plaque scraper. Huh. So not exactly a genius millionaire, but you make a lot of money in the Bay Area scraping. I hope the dentist doesn't have any blood in his hair, right? You know, from <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you know, I mean, it's, he's he's uh, you know filling something in your mouth, and and he goes too far, and then the blood goes in his hair. That was stupid, I know. I have no clue what you're talking it, it, about. It just, uh, it just came to me. Forget I said it. Right. Okay. I take it back. Okay, so do you think there's a problem that I need, I needed an investor to buy my house? I need, I need someone with a lot of cash to buy my house. Or do you think that's... Again, there was a house on my uh, street that just recently sold, and it went for about 20% over. Mm-hmm. And That's because Rob Blackwood's in the neighborhood. That's kind of true. I'm mm-hmm. kind of a big deal. People mm-hmm. know me. Um, I drink a voluminous amount of scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, it, it almost seems like a house, like, I could tell, you know, a sugar butter, you know, the wife, you could say, uh, you can move out of this $1 million home or $1.4 million home, and you can go buy 10 homes. One could be in Florida, and one could be in Arizona. Right. And, and it doesn't re- register with people. People are like, you know what, I'm happy with this one mm-hmm. overpriced piece of property compared to the rest well, of the Well, you business. know, if you wanted to sell your house... I'll tell you exactly how you get top dollar is you price it just under market. Um, you list it with a qualified realtor, and it will sell. In fact, it will sell for over, well over list. Yep. It just There's something about pricing them a little lower that gets a lot more attention. You want to commit suicide, never sell it, overprice it. Okay. Right. Um, you know, it's just. What I've, what I've learned about selling is. I want my buyer to be someone who's local, my buying agent. When I'm buying, I want someone who really knows that community. Right, well. sure. But when I sell it, I want the guy who's in the Wall Street Journal for the top sellers mm-hmm. because he knows 100 realtors. Mm-hmm. He'll get and he'll say, I've got a property coming up, and he'll get 100 realtors who have got 100 clients. Yeah. And suddenly your place gets seen by you know, five times as many people. As, right. As, right, right, right. Is that about fair? Is that the well, right way of looking no, at it? There's no question. Let me just say this. All realtors are not created equal. That's true. And it re- I hate to say this, and I, I don't want to insult anybody in the industry, but it is too easy to get into real estate, uh, to get a real estate license. That's what we do. But one of the things we do at my company, you know, we give them the statutory classes, which are basically a joke. You know, I, everything's online. You, have, you know, I have no idea who's taking the exam online. I think that's ridiculous. And, um, you know, there's, there's practice questions out there that you memorize, and you go in to take the state exam by the state, and you pass the uh, exam, and now you have a license. And if you have a license, most companies will just put a mirror up to your mouth, and if it fogs, they'll hire you, right? Or they'll take your pulse and say, okay, this guy's alive, bring him in. Um, a lot of people are, are, are not making a lot of money there, but there are a lot of very qualified realtors that know their stuff and, uh, you know, have, have sort of their team. It's of, quite a bit like the mortgage industry where, you know, throughout the crisis, a lot of people dropped off the map. We had people getting in the business that were selling cars and furniture. Right. Same thing got into real estate. And now what I believe is left over is a pretty darn good pool of, of qualified agents. 
and uh, and loan agents. I'm very happy to still be in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, there's you know some that really don't know their stuff and it could cost you, and there's some that are great. You just get a referral, you know, find the person's name yeah. who everybody seems to be real satisfied with. And there's no shortage of realtors out there. Yeah. And Rob, I love your strategy. I think that that's something that um, you know sellers should pay more attention to is just you know find the best realtor, find that guy who or girl who can you know reach uh, you know the, just the the whole pool. And, and their clients, and then the clients of their clients. And right. it just keeps going on and on. You know, this is a strange market, though, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the, the low amount of inventory right now, you're talking about properties going over listing price, over uh, appraised value, which is in my industry because I have to give a loan. I have to pay attention to, you know, the difference between the purchase price and the appraised value. And right. that's been really tricky mm-hmm. lately, and, and we're seeing it more often. I mean, there's, I, I believe that there was 5% was the average in Fremont, for example, yeah. which is booming town right now mm-hmm. uh, over the listing pr- uh, appraised value. So you can right. expect extra down payment. So, um, you know, but we still have a lot of cash purchases, which is still blowing my mind that, that a million-plus-dollar property is going to go cash. Yeah, it doesn't blow my mind because I know I see them. I keep bringing up my club. That's where I see all these millionaire geniuses, and they have that kind of money. Um, they, they've made it in the high-tech industry, and then – and they're usually not even in their early 30s or more like their late 20s. Uh, you know, the wealthiest people there are the youngest. The younger you are, the more wealthy you are. Well, you know, as soon as the cash runs out and the rates are still low, I mean, jumbo rates are two percentage points lower than they were in 2007. Yeah. And, uh, and they're easier to get. How much, Tony, how much uh, is a uh, – what's the uh, loan amount for uh, that would qualify as a, as a jumbo as opposed to a conforming loan? Six hundred In the Bay Area, 625000 or higher. Or higher is a jumbo. jumbo. Okay. Right. Because that changes, right? And right now, the yeah, it, it had changed. And it might even go down a little bit, but there, that's something that's talking down the road. But right now, the, the, the difference between a conforming loan, which is the normal 417000 and a uh-huh. jumbo loan, right. has shrunk. It's the smallest difference it's ever been uh-huh. since I've been in the business. So right. jumbos are really attractive, especially the arms. You can get a, a jumbo arm, a million-dollar loan, under 4%, yeah. which is crazy. Well, you know, that's, that's better than your loan, and that's what that's that's an, another incentive to continue, you know, looking at these types of properties. It's cheap mm-hmm. compared to what it was in 2007 when these loans and these rates weren't available, or the way it was in 1981 when I graduated high school. They were at 21 and a half percent. Gee, let's go back to those days. Yeah, well, what was the price of the house? <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I wasn't interested in buying a house when I was getting out of high school. I was interested in well, you know what I was interested in. Yeah. Well, you were in high school. Yeah. So back to how many people are getting in the industry. I've got a friend who's a mother. And to help make ends meet, she's working as an assistant for a realtor mm-hmm. with the idea that down the road she's going to become a realtor herself. Mm-hmm. And she's a pretty good mom networker. Yeah. So she could probably do okay with that niche. I'll tell you something. Um, people who have kids yeah. in the business, they've got a built-in networking system. You take the kids to soccer. There's other parents there. Yep. You know, Little League, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, uh, whatever activities the kids are in, uh, you will tend to uh, meet other parents. They know you're in real estate. They like you. That's a real important one. Make sure they like you. And you can and your kids. Of, and, yeah, the, and the kids. And the kid, right. You know, don't let them be the, you know, the omen with Gregory Peck having exercise or anything. Uh, as long as they're nice kids, you're right. Uh, you can get – you can really network and get a lot of um, – uh, deals just from the people you meet through your kids. After the movie, The Omen came out, I checked all my brothers to see if they had 666 in their head. (laughs) (laughs) 
None of them did. Shaved, <laughs> shaved heads. Your mom loved that, right? That, that movie freaked us out. Anyway, you can find uh, John Cracker, K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R. It's charliecracker.com. Tony Mendez is with BayAreaLoneSource.com. Got a question? Drop us an email, rob at robblack.com. On the range where the deer and the antelope. AM 1220 KDOW and I Radio Station. So I'm Rob Black. I run the show from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. here on AM 1220 KDOW. Rob Black, your money. Today joining me is Charlie Crackler and Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez does real estate loans, mortgage loans. Charlie Crackler does continuing education for the real estate industry. He's a refreshing voice, in my opinion, on real estate. You can find him at K-R-A-C-K-E-L-E-R. Crackler.com, uh, CharlieCrackler.com. One of the things we haven't hit upon, Charlie, that, again, you're bullish on real estate mm-hmm. based on location, Yeah, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both tend to like areas that have jobs and colleges. and That helps. We look at things like stock and we go, there's too much land there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's no jobs there. Mm-hmm. I look struggling. At, I look at Sacramento and I don't get it. Like, to me, there's just too much land there. There, you got to be careful in Sacramento. There are some places that are downright scary. It might even be a nice house, look like it, but you could be nearby something that uh, is just not all that attractive. I've actually, I've got a great investment opportunity for you. I've got a, uh, please tell I, me, I, I've got a, a a basketball team. I'd like to sell you for two billion dollars. Would you be interested in that? Me, no, no. But I get where you're going at with that. What do you think about? Um, Here's a, some issues that are going to come up for real estate down the road. Mm-hmm. You and I are approximately the same age. Um, 23. <laughs> no, it's the 23-year-olds that I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. They seem to want lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in, like, they're buying homes in San Francisco for cash. Right. Like the Google employees, the Yahoo employees, and they're taking a bus to work. Mm-hmm. They want the location, the friendliness, the partying of San Francisco, but they don't, they don't want San Carlos. They don't want mm-hmm. San Mateo. Mm-hmm. They want, they, well, it's all happening in the city. But that is turning into a problem. Um, I remember doing a story for Cron that there's a new building going up, 400 square foot apartments, which is basically a jail cell. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some jail cells that are a little bit bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that in New York where, you know, you lived in a place where you turned left, you saw the shower, you turned right, you saw the kitchen, and mm-hmm. you're basically in your living room and you're yeah. trying to seduce a young woman or you're trying to have love and relationships and Four, 400 square feet. She's just not impressed. 400 square feet is just not that impressive. No. Right. Size matters to me in real estate, but it doesn't seem to matter to kids. And when I say kids, people under 35. Yeah, sure. I, Micro apartments scare me. I mean, you know, when people are in their 20s, early 30s, maybe even late 30s, who knows? San Francisco's a fun place to be. It's a lot funner than... Uh, well, if you're not buying, you're, you're renting for an arm and a leg, especially oh. if you're near one of those hotspots. These, these Google people, what's that to them? What do they care? You know? <laughs> my, my question is, do you think that comes back to hurt us? Because my real estate value is high, but it's based on the premise that a young family will eventually buy it for me. Mm-hmm. And they're delaying their families. 
the people, the millennials, 18 mm-hmm. to 25-year-olds, mm-hmm. um, sometimes 25 to 35 as well. Mm-hmm. So they're delaying their families. So I don't necessarily see a lot of family creation coming and really? taking, taking over my home. They're there. Okay. Yeah, you don't see them. They're there. I mean, yeah, I, I know that if you, sold, you put your house on the market, it would sell. I mean, in this market, there's just not. I'm, wor- I'm worried. Market. I'm worried about 20 years from now. 20 years from now. So, I do I'm, not have my crystal ball. Doesn't go out that far. You 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 live in a great town, and it's yeah. diverse. It's not all million dollar homes. You have you know some five hundred thousand dollar homes and some you know one point five million dollar homes. So you have those borrowers that are or homeowners that are down in the in the trenches, so to speak. They're going to want to move up. There's a lot of and they're going to build some equity. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to want to move up. So there's, it's not only the new people moving into the area, but it's, it's. I talk to borrowers all the time mm-hmm. that are looking in their neighborhood for a bitter, bigger, better house or the better neighborhood, mm-hmm. and, and and you're in a better neighborhood. So location, in your case, helps you a lot. I mostly agree. So, so. anyhow, is there anything else we need to talk about? We got a couple minutes left in the show. Well. I, I, you know, I like how you bring that up, except it's it's not location. It's location, location, location. We've all heard that. Uh, that's still the most important thing in real estate. Um, to quote Mark Twain, said over 100 years ago, he said, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Um, that rings true in, in, the, in the Bay Area. Um, my father bought rental houses in the 70s. Uh, I thought, how's he ever going to make a dime on these things? You know, tenants leaving them, pouring cement down the toilet, parking their motorcycle in the living room, and you know, all these other things. I'm like, and I'd have to go out there and help them clean it up and everything. I thought, what, what in the hell are you doing? And well, what he's doing is he was waiting those things appreciated. Then you exchange them into apartment houses, and then when it's time to retire, you have income from an apartment house or many apartment houses, and life is really good. But you gotta pay your dues. When your dad dies, you just can get bags of money. Um, no, my siblings will. Why's that? Um, because I've been disowned. Really? Yeah. yeah. I bet your daddy was it. No. Is he the disowning type? Uh, no, no, no. I didn't. I'm, I'm just joking. Okay. I don't know. Um, you know, it's a, I think he, the way he spends money, you know, taking trips to Europe and enjoying himself, uh, it's probably not going to be any left by the time um, I come around, you know, for the reading of the will or something like that. You know, I hope he enjoys it. Okay. And he does. Yeah. I always like the phrase, I bequeath to my son. I bequeath, yeah. <laughs> No, I got to share it with three other siblings. So um, I, uh, hopefully it'll be um, you know enough to um, to be comfortable with because uh, you know like in, in my business like yours, there's no guarantees, none at all. Yeah. So anything you want to promote, Charlie? Promote? Well, I, I'll tell you something. I do have a twelve um, uh, CD album. It's called the Vocabulary of Real Estate. People who sit for the sales exam or the broker exam swear by it. And they say that's everything they needed to know. Um, you can call my office at 650-941-4321. 650-941-4321. And, uh, you know, we'd be happy to send you information on uh, some of our audio programs. You have to get those on podcasts. Yeah, I do, don't I? I yeah, <laughs> CDs. I'm like, CDs? Yeah, I know, I know. That's, that is... The way of the world right now. Yep. Tony, anything you want to promote? Thursday night show, 6 to 7. Thursday night, 6 to 7. And Charlie, I took your class, what, 10 years ago? Mm hmm. Yep. And look where it got you. Look where it got me. Radio show. Mm hmm. Well, there you go. And I get to, thanks to Rob. You're a famous celebrity, just like Rob Black. Mm. 
Care. I don't know about that. I am in the presence of greatness. Careful. It may be another year and a half before you get back on air. It's Charlie Crackler. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Take care. Have a good day. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.